I'm Jason Notoris, and this is SPE Talks to Shauna Noonan. Welcome to the SPE Podcast. If you have not subscribed yet, we encourage you to do so. It's a great way to keep up with the latest oil and gas technical trends and valuable information. As it is our monthly tradition, 2020 SPE President Shauna Noonan joining us remotely now is our new tradition instead of in studio. Um, your column this month is strengthening the SPE conference experience. And I'm assuming that title is going to lend itself to how you're going to answer my first question, which is of all the of all the great programs that SPE offers, what do you find to be the most enjoyable and rewarding from a personal experience? Oh, by far, it's our conferences, symposiums, workshops, any of our events where not only do we have uh, technical sessions, but, you know, obviously it's the huge networking experience. And, you know, there's so many elements of a conference that I so enjoy. Um, right when the exhibition hall opens, I love walking the floor, looking to see what new technology is available, looking for uh, colleagues that are in the booth, catching up on, you know, where they are and what they're doing. And just listening to all the product demonstrations, you know, there's a there's a sense of, I find there's a sense of electricity uh, in in the exhibit hall. And then, you know, as I'm bouncing back and forth from the exhibit hall to the technical sessions, you know, just being able to run into my fellow SPE members and also catching up with what they've been doing. And, you know, even when I leave a technical session, I'd like being able to turn to the person next to me and say, hey, what did you what did you just think about that presentation? You know, we we heard. And then, of course, there's all the the luncheons, the, the breakfast speeches and all the evening activity. Right. And I for many of our bigger conferences that I have been. Uh, it's a tradition for me to go to. I almost look at it as a reunion you know and that's where I get to to see everybody so yes that was a long answer to your question but hands down by far our SPE conferences and um, events I almost feel like I'm not allowed to use the word nostalgic but it almost feels nostalgic it's only been a few months but I I almost feel like I can say I remember the day when I got to go walk the exciting halls of the exhibition floor listen to technical sessions and and the way that you painted the picture i can visualize it all and it, it's almost like a flashback memory um, the new normal has kind of changed the way that we approach how we're able to do conferences and as much as we all are yearning to go back to these in-person events and for them to return i, I suspect that they're going to be a little bit different for spe moving forward um yes but <laughs> To say a little bit different is um, really understated. It's going to be a lot different in not just how we proceed with the events, but actually who's going to attend because, you know, we are going to have members who aren't going to be able to travel because of restrictions or they just really, they're still uncertain and feel uncomfortable. There's a picture with my column in the JPT, and it's a picture of a bunch of us sitting in front row at ATCE 
Uh, I believe it was that was the one in San Antonio. And now, if you look at this picture, you think, "Oh my God, everybody's sitting so close together." <laughs> Isn't know? it weird the way that the mind does that right now? Pictures that you wouldn't even think about six months ago, you look at them now, and and that feeling just kind of comes over you. You second guess it a little bit. Exactly, and just even outside of the social distancing. Uh, norms and practices we're going to have to put in place. You know, we've been trying for years to uh, offer stuff in the virtual medium. Again, it's a way to reach more and more members that aren't able to travel or, you know, because of um, work restrictions, say, for example, if they're working field operations out in Midland. But it's been very hard to convince uh, our members on the program committees to take that leap into the virtual space. And, and I can't blame them because, you know, I have many hesitations myself that I actually get into this column because there, there's so many people that you have to uh, look through their lenses on how they would, how would they, how would they accept uh, the, the, the virtual media? Well, there are a lot of elements to take into consideration for this. So let's start with the exhibitor experience, um, the type of value that, that could be gained from that, from a virtual, and when it's compared to a physical event. Yeah, and I'm glad that uh, you mentioned that we're starting with the exhibitors because at our larger events, we cannot uh, put them on financially if it was not for the revenue that's brought in from the exhibitors. They are a very important part of these larger events because it, it allows us to do so many of the other programs with the events, a lot of the networking aspects. And, you know, we already, before the pandemic, we had already been approached by many of our larger exhibitors saying that they don't feel in today's realm that they are realizing the value uh, from putting on a booth at, at, at our events. You know, they're expensive, they uh, need manpower to staff them, and there's a lot of shipping and setup costs with it. And, you know, it, it used to be that was probably one of the only options they had historically to reach out to a large group of customers. But because there's been so many advancements in digital marketing, um, and it, that is now not only proving to be just as effective, but it's become very competitive for us trying to do like these in-person or the traditional booths. But, you know, can you, can you, or I shouldn't say you, can the exhibitors realize value and get customer engagement by having virtual ex exhibition halls, which go along with virtual conferencing. And uh, so, that's something that we're going to have to, we're going to have to figure out. And, you know, we've done a few events. Just most recently, we had the virtual Urtec. There was a virtual exhibition hall per se. And, and keep in mind, too, that as these different virtual events roll out and we're testing uh, different medians, don't assume that just because of the way one virtual conference was set up, that's how all the other ones are going to be like, because we're testing out different platforms. So the platform that was used at Urtech didn't really hit the mark for me in terms of the virtual exhibition hall, but I have seen 
the setups for uh, different platforms that we're going to be testing uh, within SVE, and I think they'll be a lot more interactive and just better overall for both the exhibitor and for the attendee. That's good insight. And thank you also for just being transparent about it too and, and giving the honest feedback, because I think that's a good point to know that the SPE is testing some of these platforms. So the user experience may be a little bit different, but the end result is to discover and find the best user experience, um, both from the exhibitor standpoint and the attendee standpoint that also will be beneficial to SPE as a whole. SPE is proud to co-sponsor the Energy and Data webinar series. Engage and connect with the Energy and Data community from anywhere in the world by participating in our monthly webinars. On the 30th of July at 8 a.m. Central Time, tune in with Sashi Gunturu and learn about subsurface data engineering. Join us for this great learning experience by visiting energyanddata.org to register now. The Energy and Data webinars are powered by AAPG, SEG, and SPE. Another key contributor to these events are the authors, because for many, it's a coveted opportunity to present a paper at an SPE conference, um, especially a conference like ATCE. Well, ATCE is our crown jewel as far as author submissions go, and it's actually the most competitive. And for anyone that's listening who has submitted an abstract to ATCE in the past and had it rejected, please keep in mind that Yes, even a very high quality abstract submitted to ATCE can get rejected because the acceptance rate is between 8 and 10% on average. It's extremely competitive. So please don't, um, don't give up if that's one of your goals is to present an ATCE, but just really understand and don't take it personal. It's extremely, extremely competitive. And I remember when I got my first abstract um, accepted at ATCE and was able to present. That was at the 2003 ATCE that was held in Denver. And I still can vividly recall and uh, sense all the feelings that I had when I was standing up at that podium. Um, and when I say standing up at the podium, you know, you're there hoping that the audience can't see your knees shaking. And then, you know, <laughs> I, I see my mentor at the time. He was the uh, P&O technical director on the SPE board, James Pappas. Uh, I saw him enter at the back of the room, and that instantly kind of gave a sense of calm for me, knowing I had that support. And then, of course, you know, once you do your presentation, you're hearing some of the whether it's the the laughs because you purposely made a joke <laughs> or, you know, at the end of the conclusion, just hearing that applause, you know, if this was all done in a virtual platform, I wouldn't have felt any of these emotions. Mind you, I'm pretty sure no one would have been able to see my knee shaking <laughs> in the virtual element. But again, it's, it, it's less engaging because you're not able to read and hear the audience, which for someone like myself, I, I need that. Yeah, but it does offer an advantage to an author if they just can't be there to present physically. And, you know, we've had, we have had papers withdrawn in the past just because authors are not able to get uh, a visa uh, to come into the country to present. 
or for some other reasons. And fortunately, we have the no podium, no paper in one Petro policy. And by them being able to, you know, this offers more of an opportunity than for this not to happen. And they still are able to present and get that paper into one Petro. Yeah, I think it's interesting how you mention not being in that room in that atmosphere and how that can change everything. Major League Baseball is starting back up in the United States and there will not be fans in many of the stadiums. And what some of the crews have been doing is actually pumping um, just just fan sound through the speakers in the empty stadiums. Some stadiums have cardboard cutouts of people. There's no replacement for actually having that feeling of being able to look out and see the audience. I've, so, I've, heard, I've heard about that with the cardboard cutouts, and I've even heard of, of uh, apps being available to fans that will, they can, you know, as they're watching it, whether it's on their iPhone or tablet, uh, as long as the microphone's on, they can, they, they will capture, you know, their sounds, and like you said, pipe it into the stadium. It's going to be really bizarre you know obviously you know as we go as we go in the virtual space we, we're not going to have empty facilities where we're going to have to look at putting cardboard cutouts of dr blasting game or some of the, some of the <laughs> standard books. let us do that to be honest <laughs> <laughs> oh what a sight so so let's talk about that um that attendee experience then because um, I, I know you've spoken on panels and you've attended panels and some of these virtual events. So what's that experience like? Let's first talk about the, the panel experience and then just listening to a technical session, for example. And, you know, I've obviously done both. You spoke on a panel or attended many. And I enjoy the panels, especially if they have the right people on the panels with a very good moderator now when i'm in the audience i enjoy listening to the the lively banter between panelists and it's um you know it, hopefully there's a sense of camaraderie or even too if there's some disagreements again it's not only um uh entertaining it, it can be very very informative and then when i'm on the panel uh i like to actually stir things up amongst my panelists too, again, to make it more engaging for the audience. So I listen to both panels and technical presentations at Ertech. And by the way, many, many, if not all of the panels were fantastic. They're very, very well done. And by the way, they're available on demand. So if you um, did not register and attend Ertech, you will have access to those soon. <laughs> if you already had registered and paid, you can actually go in anytime and, and watch those on demand. And the panels were done well for the authors doing the technical sessions. They were done well and had a sense of uh, engagement. But there were some that had pre-recorded the presentations. It was not there for me, to be honest. Um, again, you, you weren't able to ask questions. And a lot of it just kind of seemed robotic, to be honest. Mm. Uh, so that again, that's something we're really gonna gonna have to improve on because this is able to reach out to more and more people um, that normally wouldn't have been able to attend. So we're we're learning. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that the on-demand aspect is very interesting, where 
in the past, maybe you may have wanted to attend an event, but you were unavailable that week. With the on-demand format, you could register. You wouldn't get the live interactions, but then you could still access the content maybe the week after the event, um, which I think is kind of an, an interesting twist on on being able to get some of this content that read, would, it still would have been available in one Petro in a paper format, but now getting more of the presentation style. Um, and that kind of leads into my next question, because as a conference attendee, a lot of people actually block out a week of their work calendar to focus on that conference, absent of any type of office disruptions. A lot of people travel. How are you seeing that change in this new virtual environment? It's the same with working remotely. It's at times you have more the personal disruptions, whether it's you're, um, you're on a call such as this and all of a sudden the dogs start going crazy or, um, you know, you've got children with homeschooling questions, but it's the same too. If I was sitting in the office, always having someone kind of pop in and interrupt and say, how you doing? <laughs> kind of <laughs> thing. So you have those level of disruptions, but this is again, why I love traveling to the conferences because then you're fully immersed into the experience and, you know, my calendar is com completely blocked off. So people know not to schedule a meetings or um, will understand why I'm not picking up my phone because it's probably on silent because I'm sitting in a technical session. And so it's a lot easier for me just to just concentrate on trying to get as much value from attending that conference as I can. Um, and then too, you know, it's because you're trying to get as much value, you're you're running to the exhibit hall, you're going to this technical session. Typically at the end of every day, I'm in my hotel room, my feet are tired, I've got to put my feet up, but then I use that evening just to mull over not only what I heard, but to connect with people who I just met that day by following up with, with emails saying, hey, okay, here's my contact information, and then start planning the next day of which sessions I'm going to go to and what demonstrations I want to see in the exhibit hall. Um, what we're trying to do and we're trying to experiment is some of the virtual full days and some of them where they're just segments. And for Urtech, Urtech followed the same format that they would have done for an in-person the full day as uh, they when they switched to virtual. And while I did not get sore feet running from session to session and checking <laughs> things out, I did get a sore derriere from sitting down in front of my computer all day long. So at least then with the disruptions, because everything was being recorded, if I, man if I end up missing something, um, I was able to, to, to go back and, and watch it. But then that kind of took me out of participating in the Q&A. Hey, now when it came to the Q&A, the one thing I did like, especially when it comes to answering or asking questions of the authors, the the platform that Urtech used was you could see obviously the questions from everybody and then you could uh, like it to say, hey, yes, please make sure to the moderator that this, this questions get asked. And that's something standard. They use a Slido, which is um, a virtual Q&A that we actually do in a bunch of our in-person events within SVE. So I like that. And I, it probably helped the moderators out to flush out the questions that the audience really, really wanted asked. 
That's a really interesting aspect because you think it also builds engagement and connectivity a little bit too, where you are going to be paying a little bit more attention to both the presenter and the questions because you want to make sure the right questions, maybe one that you have as well, is getting asked. Yes. So that is really neat. Much of the work of the Society of Petroleum Engineers is accomplished by members. Become a volunteer and use your knowledge and experience to influence SPE programs and activities. As a volunteer, you can enhance your leadership skills while meeting and working with other SPE members from across the globe. There are many opportunities to get involved, regardless of your experience, location, or experience level. To learn more about the League of Volunteers, visit spe.org volunteer. My next question, the networking aspect, uh, the connectivity of it all, how people are able to exchange ideas, communicate with one another, network in this virtual space. A point or discussion that I just had a few days ago with our SPE CEO, Mark Rubin, and it was when people are paying to attend one of our events, really, what are they paying for? Are they paying to see the paper or are they paying to network? And both of us are in an agreement that, at least for him and I, we're really paying to network with our fellow colleagues. And so this is how important it is for us to be able to t deliver on this in the virtual environment. And it's it's going to take work not only from SBE, but even as an attendee, you're going to have to work harder to network. It's not like you're going to be able to see somebody across the room and then head on over and introduce yourself. And in my article, I mentioned a column that I had read in Money Crashers, and it was titled, How to Make the Most Out of Attending Online Virtual Conferences. And, you know, it, it says you have to take a virtual conference as seriously as you take in-person events. If you're focused, engaged, and motivated, you can get just as much out of attending a conference at, uh, from your living room as flying across the country for it. And... Again, using the Urtec example, it's, it's just not going to take work. It's going to take a lot of work, and it's going to take the right platforms. Now, there was a networking component within the platform used at Urtec that, to me, again, did not hit the mark. I've seen what is offered in other platforms that we're planning to use, and, and trust me, I think it's going to be a lot better. But again, you have to have your profile out there. You have to be reaching out and engaging with people, um, being active in chat rooms so people can actually see that you're there to do a, like a follow-up discussion. And I'll give an example. I was watching the hydraulic fracturing session at Urtech. And th this is one way too, you can post a question out there, but it, it's not just actually asking the question of the author, it's showing people who else is in attendance? So I saw a question posted by Karen Olson and I was like, hey, my friend Karen, she's on there. That reminds me, I have to reach out to her. And then I saw another question by Mary Van Domlin and I was like, yeah, so I almost felt like, okay, I'm actually feeling a sense of not networking, but also too, I'm kind of envisioning who of my, my, my uh, colleagues are watching this on me and gave, you know gave, gave a sense of community for lack of a, a better term but i did find the platform at urtech while you could ask questions and any of the like there was a tab where you could ask questions and then there was a tab where you can just do general chat 
And the general chat, I could not get it to work in any of the sessions that I attended. I didn't know if that was just operator error or that was a, a glitch of the platform. But we're definitely going to be looking to improve on that. So I'm hearing a, a lot of, of highs and lows of this new experience. But to sum it all up, and correct me if you think I'm misinterpreting this, but you get out of these virtual events what you put into them as an attendee. Um, or even honestly, as, as a presenter, whether or not you're going to to bring your A game or not. And I'm not envisioning that mindset being too different from an in-person event or any other obstacle that you may have in life, where what you put into it can be what you get out of it in terms of just the experience. Um, and then everyone's going to have their own scale of adoption rate of how they can or cannot adapt into this. I know that SPE is trying to provide resources along the way to help the different experience levels of how, you know, we've mentioned exhibitors, paper presenters, attendees, and how everyone can kind of come together in this virtual realm, because it's probably not really going anywhere. Uh, this week alone, we have LACPEC in the HSE and sustainability conferences, both being virtual. Yes, the LATPEC is going to be a different platform, but I'm not 100% confident on that. But the format is going to be different in the fact that it's going to be smaller chunks of time. Again, so you're not necessarily sitting on your derriere all day long. The virtual events are not going to go away. Uh, this is a big inflection point for us where even once we can start holding in-person events again, there will be some virtual component of it to allow more access for people to participate and please be patient with us uh, and i'm addressing this to the audience you know we're on the learning curve uh, we're trying to figure out not only what platforms work best we're you know trying to figure out ways to add that networking experience you know it's and the feedback is really going to be helpful. So please give us the good, the bad, and the ugly so we can get up this learning curve so much faster. Now, you just made me think, sorry, I'm going to do a bit of a tangent here. Again, back to the uh, presenter experience. And I'm almost wondering, because you can't hear the audience, whether people are going to change up the way they traditionally give a presentation. For example, mm -hmm. many presenters will start off with a joke or you know, interject humor or, or, or things to throw out to the audience. Like I'll even throw out questions uh, in, into the audience, not necessarily wanting somebody to go up to the microphone at that point, but basically just trying to get a read, right? And um, we might just stop doing that completely just because you aren't gonna have that read. You're not gonna have that in that sense of engagement unless you we can figure out a way to do it, whether we start piping in um, people's reactions just like they are for the major league baseball i don't know <laughs> inflections will change um and if anyone listening is a presenter i am going to offer a free tip i charge after this tip but <laughs> look in the mirror and change the way that you are either smiling or not smiling and record yourself and do at least three or four different variations of how you're holding your mouth when you're speaking your inflection will be completely different in each of them and see what works best for you as a presenter. And this is something that, I mean, I don't, I don't recommend you standing up in front of a podium with a, 
a room full of people and holding up a mirror and doing that really quick before you present. But this is something you can test out before you present virtually. Please then get feedback or watch yourself after the fact, because mm -hmm. I, I tried to do that in the past, but then once I'm up on that stage and I get into presenter mode, I tend to forget. And of course, one of the things I try and do is smile more. Cause like you said, not only inflection, but when I look back at video and pictures of myself, I always look so angry and I'm not. <laughs> and so, you know, again, it's I'll even have it in my speaker notes to uh, smile. And, you know, like, but sometimes you just all of a sudden get in the zone and all that just goes out the, the window. But yeah, that's very, very good advice. And just it's something that you have to keep practicing on just to kind of make it more mental and muscle memory. Well, I do want to get to the question of the month in just a moment. But before that, do you have any final thoughts about how we're dealing with this crisis right now? Well, but, this is how I ended my column was, you know, when hit with any crisis, the recovery from it can include stages of both reimagination and reform, resulting in emerging from it stronger than before. And that's definitely what we're doing now. We're, we're retooling, doing, you know, trying to come up with new concepts. And, and again, they're not just concepts that are going to be utilized uh, as we ride through the pandemic. It's going to really reform uh, the society. And to be honest, it's probably going to change our business model. That's something that uh, as a board, we're going to have to look very hard at is how much do we have to change up our business model? And when I mean the business model, about 70, 70, 75% of SVE's revenue comes from our in-person events in order to be able to provide all these programs. And in the digital space, are we going to be able to keep up with that? You know, or should we be so heavily weighted in the event space as an association? This is something that uh, it's, it's, we're going to be working very hard on as we develop our new uh, five-year strategic plan. But I really believe you know, by being innovative, not only by being innovative, but by communicating against one another what, what's working, what's not, we can reform the way we deliver the experience of attending a conference. And again, make it more accessible to our members. And I really believe that this is going to be a significant step or perhaps even a leap towards our society emerging from this stronger and will reinforce and increase the value proposition of being a member in the first place. Good stuff. And for, for everyone listening, that tees up the question of the month just perfectly because we do want to know what additional advantages do you think virtual conferences will provide for you? So if, if you want to answer that question, please email president at spe.org. So for everyone listening again, the question of the month, what additional advantages do you think virtual conferences will provide for you? Send your responses to president at spe.org. Thank you so much. Um, Shauna, great episode. We only have one more left. I can't believe how quickly your term has gone by. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's either gone by uh, in an airplane or sitting at the end of my dining room table. So it's it, it's had two total different uh, poles during this experience. 
and the seasons just just keep moving. So let's keep this conversation going. Use the hashtag SPE podcast to reach us on social. So if you're looking for the latest episodes, all that you have to do is search SPE podcast on Apple or anywhere else that you listen to your podcasts. Please leave reviews. We appreciate the five stars and hearing your feedback. You can find us online at spe.org slash podcast. Special thanks to this episode's guest, 2020 SPE president, Shauna Noonan. I'm Jason Notoris, and thanks for listening.